0: Father who sought me, Son who bought me, Holy Spirit who taught me, I rise today in your strength, inviting your presence. Lord, let this young church rise today with your power to pilot us, your strength to sustain us, your wisdom to guide us, your eye to look ahead of us, your ear to hear us, your word to speak for us, Your hand to protect us. Your way before us. Your shield to defend us. Your host to deliver us. And Lord, I ask that You do not forsake this church even when we are old and gray until we have declared Your power to the next generations. Your might to all who are to come. For to You belongs salvation. May Your salvation, Lord Jesus, be with us always. I bend my knee and I bow my heart in the eye of the Father who created me, in the eye of the Son who purchased me, in the eye of the Spirit who cleansed me in friendship and affection. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'd like us to read some uh, verses together uh, that the message today is based on. It's from Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, In fact, uh, one of the verses, or two of the verses are ones that... uh, The first verses I ever memorized as a kid. um, It's Proverbs 3, 3 through... uh, It's actually going to go a little further, but let's uh, read this together out loud. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your paths straight. You can have a seat. When you come to a a moment where there's a mile marker, you usually kind of stick your head up and and you try to get your head up in the clouds and you kind of look around and you go, "What's, what's next? And I think... As I've looked around and I've I've looked with the leaders at Highland, I, I feel like the words that come to my heart are the words trust and obey. It's the place that each of us started as individuals with Jesus Christ, a trust and obedience. And it's going to be the place that we end our journey with Jesus Christ. When we finally stand with Him face to face, It will end with trust and obedience. All the way and everything in between. Well, it's the same thing, I believe, with a group of people uh, that are together. That that we've started with trust and obedience. And all along the way, it's trust and obedience. And in the end, it will be trust and obey. You know, when I mix those two words together, trust and obey, I, I believe it produces the, words, the word faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. James 2.22 says that, Faith or a belief has to be accompanied by action for it to be real faith, alive faith. So what, I, what do I mean by trust and obey, putting those words together, becoming faith? Well, what's trust? Trust is a certainty. It's a belief. It's an expectant hope, a leaning your full weight on that. That's a bit of the definition of faith. And and Obey. It's to act. It's to carry out. It's to fulfill what was commanded or requested. It's the action. Our faith. Our trust and obedience. It's the person, Jesus Christ. I have to ask the question to all of us. Has He won your faith? Has He won your trust and obedience? There uh, was a, a man... His name was originally uh, Jean-Francois Gravelet. Uh, and then he came to the United States. He started traveling with uh, Barnum & Bailey, greatest show on earth. Uh, changed his name to a stage name uh, called Charles Blondin. And Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker, and he would uh, do all kinds of death-defying acts. And, uh, but while he was traveling, came across Niagara Falls, got real swept up by the power of it. It's, it's not... Uh, massively high falls. It's just this huge amount of volume of water going over. And when it lands, it lands on rocks below. There's no soft landing at the bottom. And and there's all this mist that rises up. And you can be uh, seven to eight miles away and you can see the mist rising from these falls up into the sky nearly a mile high. And so Charles Blondin was swept up by the power of this and he decided that he was going to tightrope Across the Niagara Falls, across the gorge. And so uh, in 1859, he got a, a three inch uh, manila rope and uh, stretched 1,100 feet across the gorge. And uh, he decided that he was going to cross it. He did this, got across, and then he blindfolded himself and then walked back across. Uh, he did several, several things at once. Always want, he was always a, a great showman, always wanted to entertain crowds. Uh, there was one point where he carried a small stove on his back, carried it out to the middle, and then balanced it and cooked uh, some food on it and then ate it, put it back on his back, and walked back across. Well, at one point, uh, he did this for over a period of three years where he would set up the rope and, and do the act. And, of course, more and more people would come, Uh, At one point, I think there was over 300,000 people that came to watch him do this. And uh, at one of these points later, uh, he had his assistant, uh, Romain, get on his back, and he carried him across, walking across the tightrope. Well, after that, he got a wheelbarrow out, and he ran the wheelbarrow across. And when he got to the other side, he said, does anyone think I can carry a person across in this wheelbarrow? And everybody was like, yes, we think you can, yes, you can, we believe it, we believe it. And there was one guy in particular who was jumping up and down, cheering him on, saying, yes, we believe you can do it, you can do it. And then Charles pointed to the man and said, would you get in the wheelbarrow then? The man quickly disappeared into the (laughs) crowd, never to reappear again. Uh, at that time, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not recorded whether someone actually got in the wheelbarrow or not, but uh, he did. The Prince of Wales was there and watching, and uh, and uh, Charles did ask the Prince of Wales if he would want to go across with him, and the prince also quickly uh, declined. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that we believe, it's one thing to say that we trust, and it's another thing when we fully put our weight on that trust. And... And you really have to be won over by Jesus Christ to fully put your trust in Him in that kind of way, in that kind of death-defying life situation. You know, I I just want you to know that Jesus Christ has won me over. He's won me over, and He's won me over with what He did at the cross. And every time when when we do communion, it's one of the most special moments for me. And I need it. I need it every week to remind me because I am a person who brings my sins before the Lord and I know that I need His grace in my life continually. But I am won over by what He did at the cross for me. I, I, I'm i someone, I don't need any more evidence. I don't need any more evidence from Jesus than that and what He did at the cross. I know other people... Uh, And it's okay if you need more evidence than that. You need to research those things and the facts behind your faith. And at a certain point in my life, when I was younger, I did some of those things for the sake of students I was leading. But I want you to know, I'm won over by simply what he did. But I want you to know, at the same time, there are moments. There are moments when my faith is just a whisper instead of a shout. My faith is just a whisper instead of a shout. And it's either that my trust in Jesus wavers or it's my obedience to the one I trust that wavers. Either way, there are moments in my life when my faith is weak. And I just wonder, maybe some of you have had the same kind of moments in your life. You know, for someone to win your trust, you have to know them, don't you? You want to have observed their actions over a period of time to be able to discern their, their true character. You know, if, if there are contradictions between words and actions in their life, then you have hesitation to trust, don't you? Yeah, It's that way with our Lord Jesus. You, know, you, you won't be able to trust Him until you know something of who He is. His actions, His words all matching up You know, that's why we have the four gospel accounts of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's so that we can know that Jesus is trustworthy. You know, if you tried to imagine it otherwise, I mean, what if we didn't have the four gospel accounts? What if it was just two two commands? Trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. Believe on Him and follow Him all the days of your life? What if those were the only two things that we were given? I think there would be a a lot of us going, who is this Jesus? If I'm going to follow Him all the days of my life, I'd like to know if He's someone I can truly follow. And so I, I, I think it's a logical response. It's a logical response for people to ask, who is Jesus? And even today in our culture, there are many people who have never read the four Gospels. They've, they've never read the Bible, never been to church. And so when they really say, who is Jesus? There might be a tone that they say it with that comes from our culture that is jaded. There might be a tone, but they're probably saying it with a whole lot of truth. Who, who is he? Really, I, I don't know. And so we should maybe have some patience for those folks. But also at the same time as Christ followers, man, we should be gobbling up. Gobbling up the Gospels and learning everything we can about our Savior and our Lord and how He interacted with people, what He said, what He did, how how He responded to questions and to threats and to people that opposed Him. How did He respond? And say, okay, I'm going to follow you. Your steps. You know, there are some of us who have heard the account of Jesus' life in the Gospels. We know by these stories that Jesus, He is trustworthy. I mean, he has won us over to put our trust in Him. And I've read them all my life, since I was 14. So why does my trust sometimes get so small? Why, why does your trust? for those of you who know the story, why does your trust get so small? Well, trust is more than just knowing, isn't it? Trust is more than knowing. It's it's the readiness to lean upon that knowing with all our heart. You may have not have had a a wheelbarrow across a tightrope experience, but you've probably had some other moments in life where there was a leap. You had to take a leap. And you weren't sure if Jesus was going to be there. Some of us have had those moments. You know, have you ever done a trust fall before? Have you ever done one of these things where, uh, where you stand like this and then you've got to fall back, keeping your legs straight, keeping your body straight, and you fall back and somebody's supposed to catch you? Or there, you might be on a, up on a stump and there's a group of people linking their arms and they're going to catch you. Um, I've done that many times over. Uh, and there's, sometimes there's some moments um, I may know someone and I may know, that I may know their character and I trust who they are But I might question their ability to catch me still. Especially, you know, with a big guy like me and if somebody just weighing a dinky 100 pounds is back there and they're they're thinking they're going to catch me. You know, I I know a little bit about physics. And so I I know that there's going to be trouble. So I might at the same time wonder, uh, maybe not just about your ability, but I, I might also question if you have a wicked sense of humor and you plan on letting me fall for just the purposes of a good laugh. But... I want you to know when we when we talk about the Lord, I, I think of proverbs uh, three five and six and and I think about those verses about trusting the Lord with all your heart but but I have to think about the verses before that too and uh and it says in those verses before verses three and four it says, "Let love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them around your neck uh." By the way, this is a little side note. I've been waiting for someone who does knitting. I, I think it would be a great idea if you knitted a scarf and you put love and faithfulness on it. And then, you know, you wrap it around your neck every time you go out in the cold. I think it would be a good idea. I haven't patented that idea, so if, if you want to take that and run with it and make your money, go, go for it. Go for it. But I'm, I'm still waiting for someone to put out a scarf like that. Um, but the neck, the neck is a really vulnerable place on your body where a lot of vital parts below your neck are connected to vital parts above your neck. And without that connection point, your neck, you are in trouble. And and the verse here is specifically saying, let the practice of love and faithfulness be like life and breath to you. But you know what? The verse also makes me wonder if you can bind other things around your neck. Maybe fears, worries, Anxiety that can actually choke out your life. You know, Jesus kind of verified this in His uh, parable of the soils in Matthew 13. He talked about a soil, the heart, where life springs up, and then there's something that comes along and tries to choke it out, uh, some weeds. And He called those weeds, He said that they were the worries and anxieties of life and the wealth of this world that would, would choke out. So I, I do think that there are some things that try to wrap themselves around us and we've got to pull it off and throw it off because it, it hinders our trust. It creates doubt. And we've got to throw it off and we've got to wrap love and faithfulness around us. And, and not just in the sense that this is how we live and act out, but this is the love and the faithfulness that God has demonstrated to me. And therefore, I'm freely gonna offer it to those around me also you know when there is a real leap in life where the only way i'll make it if jesus catches me my trust can waver you know it's those moments that i want to rethink how i got into this position before a leap in the first place Go, well, man i how did i get here I, if I wouldn't have made that decision or that decision, or this or that, boy, I wouldn't be in this place, but there's some moments where you just go, "You know what? I can't change the past." Or, you know what? The Lord really did guide me to those other decisions. He has brought me to this point, a Red Sea moment where I'm trapped between a wall of wa- uh, between water and the Egyptian army, and I could do nothing but trust him in this moment. That he's going to see me through but it's at that moment that my trust has to be bolstered with what i know to be true about jesus and the thing that comes to me when i go back and the, the scriptures flood my mind and i go back and i think purposely on them to bolster my trust the words that come to me is that he is able He is able, Proverbs 21:30. He is able, Psalm 147.5. Nothing and no one can outmatch his ability, Psalm 89.6. And also I have to know that God is not practicing some cruel humor, but that he is good, he is faithful, and he is compassionate, and that he loves me. He is a good God. He's not brought me to this point to abandon me. And neither has He brought you to the point where you have to leap. He hasn't brought you to that point to abandon you. He's there for you. You know, sometimes I know all these things. I know that, that the, the truth of the Lord's character. I can, I can go and I can see His character shining through the Scriptures. I, and, and, and I can know about His ability And know that He is fully able. I know that He is trustworthy. And I can lean my full weight upon Him. But then the problem is, I'm disobedient. I'm disobedient. I just don't want to. I'm lazy. I'm stubborn. I'm willful. I'm wanting something else than what the Lord wants. And even though I've been given this new heart and a new nature... Old is gone, new has come. I have a mind and a body that have been trained to do what I want. To do what the world wants. But I go back to the fact, the truth of Jesus' character and what He's done for me at the cross. And when I acknowledge Jesus, remember Proverbs 3, 5, 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him. When I acknowledge what He's done for me, these. in those things, they just can't stand up to Him any longer. My want to just can't stand up to the cross. My laziness just can't stand up to the cross. My willfulness just can't stand up to the cross. My stubbornness can't stand up to the cross. And they all end up getting nailed. I get nailed. The Lord nails me. says, Shannon, you can't do that. I bought you. This is what I did for you. And then there is a moment where my sin, my sinfulness, all those that stubbornness, willfulness, gets nailed to the cross. And at that moment, I then I ask Jesus to live through me. I'm at that point where I go, Jesus, I cannot make this leap without you. I can't but I know that You have ability. I know that You are able. I know that I can trust You. And so I ask Him to live through me. Trust and obey, or faith, is going to require us to take up our cross daily. Jesus really meant that when He said, if you want to come follow Me, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. It wasn't a joke. He wasn't joking around when He said it. He really meant it. And it's something that I'm trying to practice in my life. It's not easy. Faith really is belief plus action. It really is trust and obey. And I'm not sure why I sometimes respond to the word obey like it's a four-letter curse word. I mean, you know, sometimes you say the word obey and you might even get a shiver up your back. You might, you know, and, and and for some of us who maybe... Or just have a little little different streak in us you know there's just you can even just kind of feel the rebel rising you you can't make me Mm. you know and it's just that's just something in some of us you know it's interesting though when we talk about something exciting that god wants to do you know what if god had this really special plan and he wanted someone special to, to carry it out for him or, and he, so he's looking among the masses for this special person. Or say that he was looking for a special group of people to carry out a special plan. And so he started looking for this group of people and where they could be. And, you know, what would he be looking for? Now, I've, I've kind of, we're kind of into the topic here, and you kind of know where I'm going with this. But there's been moments when I've been with a crowd and I've asked that question point blank right from the start. And people will name out characteristics. Say, well, they, he'd be looking for someone who's really humble, he'd be looking for a group of people that um, just love him. They're just filled and overflowing with love. They would, uh, he would be looking for someone who's uh, a real influencer, a leader. Uh, some people might say, well, they'd probably look for somebody who's got some money because it'll take something to do something like that. Do something special, care as planned. It's always interesting. Usually the thing that most people don't say is obedience. But if you think about it, if God had something really special he wanted a group of people to do, and he told them, here's what I want you to do, and then they said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to disobey. And they weren't obedient. The whole thing dies, doesn't it? It, go, it, it? That's where it stops. It doesn't go anywhere. So God will go and look for someone else who will carry out, will be willing to carry out his special plan. It's just part, part of it. You know, I, I suppose that because we struggle to understand the relationship between grace and faith is maybe sometimes we re, re, react to the word obey. You know, uh, the book of Ephesians, the whole book is really linking grace with and, and obedience and faith. If you really struggle with that, I encourage you to read that book. I encourage you specifically to read a, a paraphrase uh, to read maybe the message uh, which gives a language that maybe you can really help make that see the transition that Paul's writing in that letter but let, let me uh let me talk just just a moment about mercy and grace and obedience and how they're connected and how they relate um how many uh, so how many are in school and doing math classes right now some of you. How many of you are teaching someone, uh, trying to help them with their math, that sort of thing? Yes, all right. Well, what's the thing where you got, it's like a line, and there's, here's zero, and then you go negative one, negative two, negative three. What is that? Integers. And, and then on the other side, you got one, two, three, and it's positive numbers. It's some sort of like a, a number line or something. I don't, I don't know the official name for it. But anyway, if you think of that, me and Jazz were talking about this the other day and uh, really uh, gave, gave a real picture to this. And we were trying to really define mercy because mercy has to do with punishment. It's something, you're about to be punished and you deserve the punishment. And so if your parents show you mercy, they don't give the punishment you deserve. Same thing with God. When, when He shows you mercy, it, it's, it's over punishment that we all deserve for the sin in our lives. Now, he just doesn't withhold the punishment. He actually put the punishment on Jesus Christ. And so you're in this negative zone without mercy. You're in position for punishment. But with mercy, through Jesus Christ, we're moved to that zero place. No punishment, because Jesus took the punishment. But then here's the great thing about the next part of the good news, grace. Grace is... A gift that we don't deserve so there's punishment we don't deserve and then there's a gift we don't deserve because we don't earn it it wasn't because we we had a bunch of gold stars for sunday school attendance or anything like that it's just god wants to give it in jesus christ and that moves us out of this negative and even zero place into this positive place called faith and walking in faith it, well, it's all faith moving this way and, I, and the whole illustration begins to break down here, but just to say that this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Grace pushes you into a positive place. When we first heard about God's mercy in Jesus not punishing us, and God's grace in Jesus, the undeserved gift, we put our trust and obedience, our faith, in Jesus Christ. That's what we did. We had a certainty that it was all true. We heard the story and we said, I I believe that. We were sinners separated from God, but God wanted to bring us back through Jesus Christ. And so because of our certainty of the truth of who God and Jesus is, we acted. We turned around. We obeyed by saying, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, and I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. We acted and obeyed in that moment by aligning ourselves with the truth. 180 degrees. We were going this direction, and then we aligned ourselves with the truth. And it was a whole new position. It was a response to what God had done and made us aware of what He had done. It's faith. Our hearts were melted. We knew and accepted this new order for our life that He was first. And then we had to become the second man. We accepted the cross in our lives. We believed. We wanted it. We acted on it. Trust and obey. It's faith. You know, the rest of our journey with Christ, following Him is still based on faith. It doesn't switch to another system of earning We're doing good things or plus and minuses of, oh, I hope the the positives add up more than the negatives. It it doesn't, it's faith. We still trust God in Christ. Our hearts are still melted by what he's done for us. We're still just responding to, to mercy and grace. It's just that the journey brings us new opportunities to say once again, yes, Jesus, I still accept the new order. You're first. I'm second. I still accept the cross in my life. I know there's parts of me that still need to be nailed to the cross. And I want you to live through me in that new nature. We trust and we obey faith. Jesus calls us forward to follow him in this. I'll go where he goes. I'll do what he he does. I'll say what he says. It's his expectation that we will follow him. He's saying, "Come. come. Come on. Follow me. You can do it. It's his, it's his expectation that we don't. No, I'm right here, I'm good. Now, some of us we we struggle with this because we we go, well, how does God's expectation work with God's un- unconditional love? Because doesn't He love me right where I'm at? No matter if I do anything else or do do anything bad, He, he can't love me any more than where I'm at. That's true. It's true. But think about love and the definition of love there's a specific part in there that talks about an expectation in love and I think maybe sometimes we we think of expectations in a negative ways so but there's like about a zillion uh new mothers here in this church right now and uh or you're expecting and on, or on the way and uh that's a really wonderful hope isn't it it's a wonderful expectation i mean there's a child within and your hope is that in nine months there's going to be a child without and 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 even when that child is without there's an expectation there's hopeful expectations that this child is going to grow healthy and strong and this child is going to learn some wonderful things and they're going to be a part of the family and And I know that sometimes parents have unhealthy expectations. Some that are not God's expectations for that child's life. But I know that God's expectations are always like that. They're always good. They're always hopeful. And when you think about the definition of love and God's unconditional love, think about where it says, love always Hopes. Love always hopes. God has a hope for you. His hope, His expectation is, follow me. Come follow me. Yes, He loves you. And He wants you to follow Him. Is faith easy or hard? I'm going to say Yes. Everyone is in a different place on their journey with Jesus. You know, when I think about the hymn, Trust and Obey, one, one of the lines that says, there are sorrows, burdens, and toil mentioned. But then goes on to say, but there's sweet fellowship and the joy He bestows on those who trust and obey. You know what? Jesus walks with us and He can drive away doubt and fears. The life of faith is called the good fight. It's what Paul called it at the very end of his life before he died. And so I'm assuming that trust and obey was something he did to the very end. And that there were parts of that that were a fight. It was a fight to continue to trust. It was a fight to continue to to put aside the old and crucify it and obey That's what we're called to. We're called to the good fight. We can be glad that we're not alone. And as we try to figure out living by faith, and not by sight, we have a spiritual family around us, brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know that there are people here that are really trying to fight the good fight. And if you're in a place where you're struggling and it's hard, there's some people here that want to encourage you really do i'd just like to introduce you to some of them right now uh, i'd like uh our elders to stand up Let's see um, Michael and jane hayes uh, uh, Joel and Katie Edwards and um, greg sue peniston yeah they're around here and then i I'd, I'd like to introduce you to uh, uh all of our oh there's joel over there he's he was working on something uh, I like you. Also, um, I like all our jail leaders and co jail leaders to stand up. These are also people that are in the good fight, and they're they're trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Stand up. Keep keep standing. Keep standing. All right. These are people that are really trying to live it out, and they want to encourage you. They want to help you. And so, I, I want you to see them. I want you to know them. I want you to talk with them so you guys can go ahead and sit down thank you i want to encourage you to strengthen your trust strengthen your trust by discovering more about jesus grow more in your love of him your worship of him we challenge everybody at Highland to take a step in growing in their love of jesus christ Open up the Gospels. Read His words. See His actions. I want to encourage you to strengthen your obedience by getting to know some people who are also trying to trust and obey, who also struggle with their will and their flesh, but somehow allow Jesus to be first and to get those things nailed. We want you to take a step in growing in your loyalty with those in the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to take a step in growing and finding a purposeful life and how that you can bless others, to grow in your friendship and extending the friendship of Christ to others. You know, we're all walking by faith, figuring out how to trust and obey, figuring out how we respond to mercy and grace every day. Right now, we're going to close just a a time of singing. I'd like you to stand with me. I want to pray for you right now. I want to thank you for being a part of this special day at Highland. And just uh, as we continue to do the things we did at first, I just want to invite you to be a part of it. to Join us. Heavenly Father, you've assembled a beautiful group of people. Some who are in different places on the journey with you but they're here because you've been speaking to them, and you've been guiding them, and you've been leading them. So Father, I want to ask that you would bolster our trust, that you would enable us, and also, Father, that you'd show us how to obey. And when we need to nail some things to the cross, pull away those things that are choking at our neck, and instead remember your love and faithfulness, Lord, we love you. We know what you've done. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.